missionaries, and welcome back to Mission Moments, where we take a moment to prepare for our mission. This Mission Moments podcast is sponsored by Mission Youth, a community of missionary disciples who come together to equip ourselves to go out and spread Christ's love in the world as apostles of the new evangelization. Every Catholic is called to be a missionary. We're here to help everyday Catholics like yourself to learn to be one. We're going to be sharing missionary experiences, form skills, give tips, and share best practices for your missions. As you know, this is our second season, and today is our second podcast. I am so excited today to be with a very important team of people for this podcast. We have invited the national team in Mexico that oversees all of the evangelization missions there to be with us and share with us the beginning of this apostolate and some incredible stories that they have of all of the good work that they've been able to do for the church in Mexico. So to start out, I want everyone to introduce themselves, right? We'll, we'll start out with Brenda, who is the new national director as of maybe two months ago, right, Brenda? Yes, three months ago. And so she has been with the national team for two years, like in total, and she just took over as the new national director. We were able to bring her in from the Holy Land. They brought her back to Mexico from the Holy Land where she was working before. So we're very happy to have you here, Brenda. Thank you, Kathleen. We are also so pleased to be here with you. It's really awesome how between all the countries that have um, mission youth, well, family and mission youth, as we call it here in Mexico, and, and we're looking forward to keep collaborating with you. So thank you for the invitation. It's very exciting because Brenda and I have actually known each other for 10 years when I was stationed as a consecrated woman in Monterey, and she was an amazing ECYD team leader. So I am so excited that this is her new role for her because I think she's going to do a great job. But she does not do it alone. She has an incredible national team that is also here with us. And so we have Norma. Norma, would you like to introduce yourself and what your role is on the team? Hi, everyone. My name is Norma Diaz-Torre and I am the evangelization coordinator for Mexico, and I'm very happy to be here with you. Thank you, Norma. And she has been on the national team for three years, so she has lots of experience. We also have Mao. Would you like to introduce yourself, Mao? Hi, everyone. I'm Mauricio Gonzalez, um, and I've been working in the office for two years, and I'm the business manager of the Apostolate uh, for now. Thank you, Mao. I got to know Mao in person when I was in Mexico in February, and he was an amazing mission site tour guide and lots of fun. So he's great. And lastly, we have Lucero. Hi, everyone. I'm Lucero Ross, and I am the local mission director coordinator. And thank you, Kathleen, for this opportunity. I know that uh, you have been doing a great job uh, trying to share the mission with everyone. So thank you for this opportunity and invited us to this podcast. I also got to meet Lucero several years ago when she was starting her mission year. Um, so it's incredible to see her now come back and be having this national role for this beautiful apostolate. And so to help everyone get to know you all a little bit better, I wanted to know on a personal level, why do you love missions? Why do you love this apostolate so much to serve on a national level? Well, for me, um, the first time that I did missions was on 2011 and it was life changing for me. Since then, I have been like really 
into all the activities of Raymond Christie, like you told ECYD, is it? Like we call it here in, in Mexico, in Regnum Christi. So it's like, for me, it was life-changing because I had the opportunity to see for the first time the love of God in the face of other people. So for me, that was really, really life-changing. And since then, every year I have been going on, on mission trips. So Right now I'm serving to the office. It was for me like a really big dream to one day work for God, like not only have it like an apostolate, but work for him 24-7. So yes, it was life-changing for me. How many years have you had this dream to work in the national office, Brenda? Um, since I was in, in the university, And I realized that you could actually work for Regnum Christi and the Apostolates. For me, it was like, oh my God, that's my, like, that's my dream. I don't want to work in any place else. I want to work for Regnum Christi. And if I can, in the National Office of Missions. <laughs> It's beautiful to see how God puts desires on our hearts. And then he walk, walks slowly to make them come true. That's awesome. So, Lou, how about for you? Why do you love missions? I think it's very simple because you can serve as an instrument to spread the gospel to everyone. And, and for me, I have a lot of good anecdotes from the missions and I have been growing. I have been missioning since I was nine years old. So I have been growing with this apostolate and it It's a life change, you know, you, you get to learn, you get to, to develop yourself. And, and for me, it's great to serve in this way. And I'm now working as, as a coordinator. It's a great experience and it's a gift. So I really like the missions. How many coordinators or local mission directors do you oversee in your role, Lucero? We have more than 200 uh, coordinators among the, uh, the country and also in Central America. So we have many coordinators. <laughs> That is so, so beautiful. So, so beautiful. Yeah. We're going to hear more about all those exciting mission sites in just a little bit. So in our last podcast, we heard how this beautiful postlet started in the States. But I think it's important to understand that it wasn't necessarily the United States that came up with this idea. Um, but it, the pasta was actually born in Mexico and is now present in over 15 countries. So I would really love for you all to share with our listeners the story of how this apostle actually started. Like, where did it come from and what was its inspiration? Of what was it trying to do? Okay, well, it all begins with our mission as Catholics, the mission that Christ gave us for go to all the world and preach the great news. That's our mission as Catholics. And that mission has been uh, constantly being developed uh, in the life of the church, but it is really recent to identify ourselves like a um, missionary church, because before, like, it was not so common, like only the, I don't know, the, pre the monks or the priests went to mission trips, but since the uh, Vatican, Concilio Vaticano II, Second Vatican Council, Council? Council? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, 
the church gave us this great news that we are all missionaries and we are called to go and preach this great news to everybody. So since this council, the, the church has been giving us these um, learnings and <laughs> mm -hmm. mm -hmm. um, so that we can adopt this mission in our hearts, no? And mm -hmm. Pope John Paul II gave a really, really, really great um, call to all the Catholics and told us like, you need to do a new evangelization. And it's not a new word, like you're not going to preach anything new that the message that Jesus gave us, but it needs to be um, like new in its ways, new in the, um, like the fire in the heart, like new in its methods, because we, we as humans are constantly changing, changing, sorry, the culture, it's constantly changing also. So we need to find as a church, the ways to make that message, the original message of Jesus Christ, enter to the hearts of the people. So with this calling of Pope John Paul II, or well, Saint John Paul, um, some people in the Regnum Christi, starting with a priest and then with a consecrated woman, felt mm -hmm. this necessity to take a group of, of young um They were in high school and they were like, okay, let's go and preach this great news to the people that maybe don't receive these, these news because they are up in the, in the mountains, they are in poor communities where maybe they don't have the access as us to go to mass every day, hear the word of, the word of God. And that's the way it started. Um, at the end of the 80s and formally in 1993. So, mm -hmm. so that's the way it started. And right now, this apostolate, family and mission youth, it's in more than, more than 20 countries. And this year, we are turning 28 years of this great apostolate. Mm -hmm. and, and well, we are, <laughs> we are really happy that God, that it's like the the author of this apostolate, is giving us also the knowledge of the Holy Spirit to continue with this great mission. That is so, so beautiful. Thank you very much, Brenda. Do you all have any stories of where those first missions took place or any things that happened during those very first missions? Well, we don't have like stories, but we can tell you that the first mission was in Cotija, Michoacán which is a really humble uh, place, community. And well, I think that the history can talk by itself because we have been doing this for 28 years. So I think that it was a great mission. <laughs> I can assume that. And so I'm just curious, what were they trying to achieve when they set out on those first missions, when it was started, as you said, in the 80s? What were they trying to achieve? Well, I think that they were actually trying to respond to that call that John uh, Paul II did not to to answer the call to go to to every place and to spread the gospel. So I think that they didn't know all the impact that we are seeing right now. So 
it's great to see the fruits, like you were mentioning before. And I don't know, I think that they were doing something as a response, but actually with, with, with more information, I cannot tell, but I think that, that what we can see right now is, is the fruit of this small job probably that they did, the seed that they plant, it's now 20 years, 28 years later, something really big that now we can, we can be part of it. So I know you all are very used to your missions, uh, but I would love for you to kind of show this impact and to show what you're trying to achieve on these missions, to kind of paint the picture for our listeners of what happens when your missionaries go out because they go to rather poor communities, but do they go to build houses? Do they go to dig wells? What do they do when they go to these communities? Can you paint the picture for us? Um, so, well, what do we do on the missions? Um, as we told you at the, at the beginning, um, they are youth, family, and also people from the ECYD. That mm-hmm. here in Mexico, we call it Color y Fuego Misionero. They are mm-hmm. like 14, 15, six, no, from 14 and 15 years old, no? So mm-hmm. um, what do they do when they go to the missions? First, the missionaries are received by the parish priest in the community and the parish priest, um, with help of the people of the community, assign the missionaries like okay you're gonna sleep here in the house of somebody of the community so starting from there it's like really amazing to see how these people open not only their hearts but their homes so the missionaries can sleep in there can eat in there and then sometimes in the communities they like fight for the missionaries like i want to give them breakfast i want to give them dinner i want to give them food so so it's really amazing how the people from the communities respond and what do they do like in the day by day in the morning we do something that we call the visiteo that it's go door from door in the community and like literally say like, hi, we are Catholic missionaries. We come from part of the parish priest and we want to read the word of God with you. Do you have a moment? If, if they want to, they, we enter to the house, we read um, the gospel of the day in the Holy Week. And we, we just like talk with them, we hear them, we see if they have some spiritual necessity um, and it's really amazing because most of the time the people really open their hearts, open their problems, their family problems and, and we are there to hear them and, mm-hmm. and to give them um, uh, a good advice. No? And that's what we do in the morning, the visiteo, go door by door. Then we have our lunch uh, with some people of the community also in another house where they invite us. And in the evening, we have what we call the activities of the evening, no? So we have activities for kids, for the youth, and for adults. And the, the missionaries come prepared to give different 
um, <clears throat> activities, not only um, like material activities and, and dynamic, but also they give catechism. And mm -hmm. it's really amazing because you can see how in, in the week of the, of the Holy Week, Each day you have more people coming and more people coming, more people coming. And also this is thanks to the, the visiteo we do in the morning that we go door by door, no? And the people mm -hmm. start uh, having like these, um, they, they want to go to the activities, no? And, uh, and that's what we do basically. And on Holy Weeks, when we do mission in the Holy Week, that for Mexico and Central America, It's like the the mission of the year because in Mexico they give us all the Holy Week of vacation and we mm -hmm. as missionaries, well, we want to go to do the mission instead of going to Cancun or going to other place for vacations. We want to spend all this week uh, preaching the, the word and the love of God. And mm -hmm. on... On the Holy Thursday, in the Good Friday, we have um, well the the activities that correspond to that day: the Via Crucis, the lavatory of the the feet, and and that type of activities. And we end normally our work in the in the community for the Holy Week with the um, the Mass of the Holy Fire on Saturday. Mm -hmm. Yep, the Easter Vigil. Oh. That is so true. So from everything you've described, Brenda, it's very clear that you all really go to these communities to evangelize and to share their Catholic faith with them, right? Because I know that for many of our listeners, when they think of traveling to a country like Mexico or Guatemala, where there can be a lot of material need or material poverty, one of the first things that many of our listeners would want to do is want to kind of fix their problems or to provide for their material needs, right? So can you explain a little bit more, you or Lucero, why is really just going and spending the week with them to evangelize, why is that so important? Rather than maybe building a house or trying to provide for their material needs. I think one of the most important things is that uh, in those communities, socially we are not solving any problems. Mm -hmm. that, that kind of problems about... Um, Uh, giving giving them more I don't know more houses or more food or whatever um, they have what they need and they live uh, with what they need what people really want and what people really need um, and and I say need like more or less is uh, God's word people is thirsty of God And somehow uh, uh, we as, as missionaries, uh, we, we spread that word and they are very joyful of receiving that word. So more than giving them social uh, help, people, the, the thing that they want to receive the most is uh, the word of God. The, um, the example of, of all that uh, missionaries that are, that are visiting them As, as Lucera and Brenda said, they, they are very happy to receive missionaries. They feel with that privilege of receiving people that is full of God. And that's all the thing that, um, in my experience, I notice. Uh, that's all the things that they want. 
They want to share God. They want to share their experiences. They want to share their problems, uh, their personal problems with you as missionary. And and, <coughs> and the only thing that you, you, you need to do is share with them, be with them, um, spend some time with them, uh, join with them uh, in all the activities in the parish. Uh, for example, um, I notice a lot uh, from other missionaries' experience that they enjoy um, getting involved in in Good Friday and in Via Crucis and and in Holy Holy Thursday. They, they love to to get involved with the people, and people love um, seeing them getting involved. People, people really, really uh, appreciate that we as missionaries get involved with them because they feel as a son of God. They feel really, really loved by God uh, in, in, in that way. So I think in conclusion that more than giving them some social help, they really want to receive the love of God through us. Mm-hmm. And and. Mm-hmm. It, and it's a little bit like contradictory because sometimes we don't have that uh, much love to to give, but God gives that special gift to us, mm-hmm. I think, and to us and to everyone to share uh, that love with them. Wow, that was described so beautifully. Thank you very, very much. And I think what you just highlighted is what we call here in the States evangelization through encounter, right? That what we're really going out to do as missionaries is to encounter that person and through that encounter to kind of transmit God's love for them in listening to them and praying with them. So thank you for just showing that that is so important, even for these communities that might be so lacking in material things according to some standards, right? I think that's awesome. But I'm also curious, and I would love for you all to explain to help our listeners understand Because for many people in the United States and Canada, um, we want to go to Sunday Mass, we Google nearby Catholic Church, and we go. And it's not even like, we don't even think about it. So I don't know if you could also share with our listeners, what is a little bit the reality of the church in, in Mexico concretely, and why it's so important to visit these communities during Holy Week? Like, what are you able to bring to them? And what are you also trying to reinforce, right? Because I know that those communities are not only visited by Catholics, right? They're also visited by other people. So if you could share a little bit about that with our listeners as well to help them to understand. Okay, so um, here in Mexico, we are really blessed to to have been born in a country where the majority of the people, by tradition, sadly, but mm-hmm. by tradition, <laughs> it's Catholic, no? Mm-hmm. So... Uh, we are really blessed to have like a church literally in every uh, corner here in the cities. But it's really different in the communities because, yes, we are a lot of Catholics and we have a lot of um, parishes, but we are lacking globally of priests and of vocations. So what happens with these communities? They have one parish for 30 communities. So, sadly, these communities have maybe mass once a month. 
and and well that also it's for us as missionaries <clears throat> it helps us to realize how blessed we are that if we are literally going to <clears throat> spread the word and the love of God and we have the opportunity to visit the sacraments every day at the hour that we want because we have mass at 7 a.m., 8 a.m., 9 a.m., 10 a.m. Like, it's really common to find a place where you can go to mass. It really helps us to open our eyes and see how blessed we are. But also the urgency to go. And as you said, um, they are not only visited by Catholics. They are visited also by um, other sects so um our work there it's really important because they really don't have this pastoral accompaniment like a day by day, day by day from their parish priest um so our work as missionaries is to go and and spread the like the real word and plant the real seed but what can we do with this problem that they don't have enough priests, no? What we as um, mission and family, no, you, family and mission youth do is we work to make apostolates and disciples in the communities so that they have a transformation of the heart and they are like not waiting for the missionaries or for the parish priests to come, but they work for the evangelization in their own community so that's our goal as family and mission youth not to make the communities dependent on the missionaries but to help them transform their hearts and and grab like this um this love for spreading the world and the word sorry and living the the catholic values and and to teach what the church teaches us And so they can do it themselves because we cannot change the reality, you know, that we don't have enough priests, etc. So what can we do? What Jesus did, literally, he went people by people, uh, sorry, person by person, transforming their hearts and their hearts were so transformed that 2000 years we are here, here sitting and talking about him. Mm -hmm. I think that's so beautiful what you shared, Brenda, and we'll jump right to you, Lucero, don't worry. Um, but what you were describing just reminded me so much of St. Paul and how he would travel from community to community, encouraging them and setting up groups of disciples, right? Because he didn't want them to rely on his presence to live their faith, but he would go and strengthen them and encourage them and teach them and pray for them but he wanted to set up those communities to be strong in their faith. So I think that's so beautiful that, as you said, 2,000 years later, we're still in this evangelization mission, right? Just like St. Paul. St. Paul, it's our patron, one of our patrons. Yeah, I want to add that where we have been doing, we have been doing some calls with our coordinators. And this is a story that I just heard actually this week. A coordinator was telling me that the parish priest had as Brenda was mentioning, 30 communities. So he had to spend more than $50 to get to a community. So that community had been visited from the parish priest only twice a year because he had no money <laughs> to get there. So the missionaries are 
getting coordinated to go every month to the community so they can take the parish priest to the communities. And they're going to make some uh, savings so they can buy a truck so the parish parish priest can get to those communities. So it's really hard to see the reality of the situation because we know that there are communities that are like two or three hours away from the from the parish. And as as missionaries, if we can help also to 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 the parish priest to get there to the communities that they're not uh, near to the parish. That's beautiful. Now that the missionaries can can also collaborate collaborate in so many ways, so the people can get the sacraments, confessions, communion, everything. So imagine if there's no priest. So it's important to pray for the vocations as well. One hundred percent. And I love how you all both spoke about the importance of our missionary efforts being like sponsored and in partnership with the local parish priests, right? Because he is the pastor of that community and that parish, and we want to work with him and we want to be in collaboration with him and communication with him. I think that's so important and key for this apostolate. So that's awesome. Thank you for that. So I'm just curious, and I'm sure all of our listeners are wondering how many communities, how many missionaries are you able to reach in Mexico every Holy Week? Well, that depends because we, like this year, what was really atypical, we had one third of the missionaries we are used to have. But normally each year in Holy Week, we have approximately 20,000 missionaries in Mexico and Central America, and we reach more than 1,000 communities. That is amazing. Like this past Holy Week in the United States and Canada, we had 2,500 missionaries, right? So I think this just shows the incredible scope that this apostolate can have with like the years of hard work that so many people have dedicated it to just bring it to so many people. So that is incredible, incredible, incredible. So we can't finish our time together without hearing some actual mission stories. So I would love if each of you would share with our listeners uh, a mission story from your personal experience, something that's impacted you or really moved your heart from any of your mission experiences? Mm, I think that there are so many stories, but for me, especially the one that I remember the most, it was during a mission and it actually it was during the holy the holy hour in, in the Thursday. So I had like this thought in my mind because I was in between two decisions, going as a mission, mission corps. So I was thinking about going or not going. So I was praying and I don't know, for me, it was really special that encounter with Christ, very soft, very harmonious, very, I don't know how to describe that encounter that I have with God, that something happened in my heart because I didn't want to go. You know that giving a year, uh, spending time with someone you don't know, traveling God knows where. So it was really gentle the way that God called me to collaborate during a year. And it was during the missions. And, and it's really nice to see that during the Holy Week, many things happen. 
we have had vocations as a priest, as a consecrated woman. And for me, it was this special call to participate as a co-worker during a year. So, so yeah, I, I think that that's like the most meaningful anecdote that I have that during the Holy Week, I decided to participate as a co-worker because I had a really special encounter with Christ within 15 minutes. It wasn't like the whole week. It was 15 minutes. Really, really special for me. That is awesome, Lucero. And I think what you say is so true. That missions is like a baby step of generosity that opens a door in our hearts and then allows God to enter and continue speaking to those people in their hearts of what more he could be asking of them. So that's beautiful. Thank you for that story. Okay, so, well, for me, I know um, there are lots of stories. Um, I don't know, uh, for example, Lucero, Brenda, or Norma, we've been going in missions for a lot of years. But um, my very, very, very first mission was uh, 2004, and it was uh, Advent missions. Uh, in that time, I didn't have a very good relation with God. Uh, I, I was like like in other in other stuff. So anyway, somebody invited me, and. Uh, in, in that time, uh, I haven't received my my first communion when I was 14. <laughs> so um, I remember uh, we were in this community uh, near a place called uh, Veracruz. Uh, and uh, we were in a, uh, we were having mass in a very, very, very little uh, chapel, a very little good chapel. Um, very poor chapel, and I was I was seeing this uh, all the community <laughs> receiving the communion, and I left outside because I I thought I I was not um, not worthy of being there, so I, I I stood outside the chapel and like I said it, it was a wooden chapel so I can see through the through this uh, this uh, wood and and I was saying to God why why I have uh, why I don't have this privilege and these people have this privilege and I want to <clears throat> to join this with what Brenda said that here in our cities and in Mexico we have this opportunity to go mass. 7 a.m., 8 a.m., 9 a.m., 7 p.m., every hour we want, everywhere we want. And these people, were, were when I was in this mission, uh, these people received the, the communion once a year. Mm. And I was there um, with this, like, uh, fight in my heart, uh, thinking about why I'm not worthy about this and why these people can receive the communion and I can't. So, well, that's what, uh, that was my moment, like, of getting into, into knowing God more. And it was missions. And I know and I think 
that lots of people, lots of friends um, that we have here in Mexico and maybe in, in other places had this kind of experience of knowing God through missions. Um, so I think missions are very, <laughs> very important uh, apostolate in our, in our lives. That is so beautiful, Mel. And I think um, another beautiful characteristic of missions is that many times since you're away from your house and you don't have the normal comforts that you normally do, it kind of breaks down a lot of walls and it allows it, you to be a little bit more vulnerable and open to God's grace. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Another mission story. Um, well, the first time I went to, to missions, like I told you in 2011, um, I went to a community called Tlatlauquitepec in Puebla, in like the heights of Puebla, in the high mountains. Like I remember I was like one hour in the, in the van until we got to the community of Tlatlauquitepec. Well, the community actually, the small, small community was called San Agustin Chachatzli. Tlatlauquitepec was like the big community and we went to the, the communities that are on the outside, no? So um, I had 15 or 16 years old. I was, sorry, I don't remember. No, I, I think I was 16 years old because I went with Mission Youth. So the point is that we met uh, a man in that times he had like, he was, sorry, like 21 years old. And he, his dream was to be a missionary. So he was like with this instruction of nobody without the uh, communication with the, the parish priest because they didn't receive the parish priest like, I don't know, like once every three months. So he was so in love with God, with the gospel. He read the Bible. He investigated on his own. And he was visiting door by door every day, his own community where he was born, where his family was born. And he he did this, this mission, no? So... Um, we kept in contact with him because we wanted to send him by email some courses, uh, like books, that so that he could read and and he can have more formation for this mission he was doing all by himself. And uh, recently, like three years ago, uh, he wrote me and he told me he was now working for the Diocese of Puebla um in charge of the local missionaries in the in the communities so it was really really hard feeling to know that he didn't not only um reach his dream but he is now doing what god created him to do what god taught him as a missionary so it's it's amazing that god can um light that that fire in your heart without maybe not so much resources and knowledge but with the with the certeza like mm -hmm. the certainty the certainty that that is what we are called to do and mm -hmm. and that that was his mission and that he was living 
I mean, he was in a really poor community and, and he was living by the, um, the, the Holy Providence. Like he didn't have any other job. He lived by the providence and the, the kindness of the people that give him food and, and that. So that he's now working in the diocese of Puebla. Like that's super amazing. No, that's incredible. I have seen that so many times that the mission experiences that we're able to offer, they're beautiful in themselves, but what it really does is like ignite this missionary heart and then people are able to go and exactly what you said, Brenda, kind of become the missionary that God has calling them to be, right? And they go and work for the church. They become missionaries in another country. They bring the missionary spirit to their homes and schools and workplaces. So I think that's really a beautiful fruit of all the mission work we do. So finally, before we conclude, I would like each of you to offer to our listeners one piece of missionary advice. If you could give advice to all of our missionary listeners about how to be incredible missionaries, what would you tell them? Let the Holy Spirit talk through you. Like, <laughs> don't be afraid because sometimes um, people say like, no, I'm not so capacitated or formed. I don't know so much, but... Really, we have to believe that it's the Holy Spirit that is talking through us. If we are like in a state of grace, if we are in, in friendship with Jesus Christ, he's going to talk through us. Awesome. Thank you. I think that's tough. <laughs> What I would share, it's, it's worth it. Because many times you think that you're not going to add something new to the church or you're not gonna to to change someone's life because like Brenda mentioned it like you are not prepared but it's worth it it's worth it totally for the community and also for you so it's it's all about grace it's worth it awesome, awesome. well i think uh, uh one advice i can give is let let god work through you And let God, yes, let God use you. Uh, or for instance, uh, my personal experience, um, uh, I'm, I'm kind of always like a little frightened about what's going on in the future. And every time the answer I find is letting God work through me in my life. And that, that's the only way I, I can lose that fear of, of taking one, one step uh, through, my, through my way. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. This has been an incredible conversation. And I feel so lucky that I get the excuse to continue in communication and teamwork with all of you as we like work out ways to bring our American missionaries to Mexico and open more mission sites and collaboration. It's going to be very, very exciting things that are coming up in the future. Um, so thank you very, very much. And we will just close our podcast offering a very short, simple prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.